Welcome to AM Best Audio. As electric vehicles, safety features, and technology get more and more popular, there are evolving considerations for insurers. I'm John Weber for AM Best Audio, and I'm speaking today to Sandy Perfetto, Sandy Senior Director, Personal Line Coverage for Products for Verisk. Sandy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, Sandy, it's been a few months since we spoke, and one of the risks that we didn't get a chance to discuss is bi-directional charging in electric vehicles. Uh, what the heck is that? <laughs> well, that's a great question, and I'm glad we uh, have the opportunity to connect again and, and talk about this because I feel like this is a, an area that insurers should be focusing on and, and thinking about as it's beginning to um, be more of a focus for certain manufacturers developing electric vehicles. So in in today's environment, uh, most of the electric vehicles you see on the road are unidirectional. So basically they get charged by charging stations to power them up to drive on the road. But with these electric vehicles having batteries in them, it creates the opportunity now for also to provide, have the electric vehicle battery serve basically as a power source to other things. Um, and when I say other things, it really can vary uh, anywhere from charging power back to an appliance um, or charging, providing power back to a home. So if you think about if we're in the case of, you know, you have a major storm and a power outage, um, traditionally, you would need to have, you know, backup power in place to, to provide power to your home, especially if it's out for a long time. But now if you have an electric vehicle and if it is does it is developed with this bi-directional charging, it can provide power back to your home um, or even more broadly, I, I know there's um, certain uh, fleets of vehicles that they're testing powering back to a grid. So even um, a larger uh larger scope of, of the power that these EVs could be providing back as opposed to just being charged. And I, I, you know, for insurers, I think what's important to focus on is it could really change how we look at insurance. Because traditionally, when you think about car insurance or even commercial auto insurance on trucks, the focus is when you think about liability, the exposure of an accident, you know, if you're in a crash, you hit somebody, the injuries to people, um, maybe some things. But now if you have these vehicles that are providing uh, serving as power source to your home or more to a grid, if there was um, some kind of incident that happened to the charging while it's being used, it raises questions around where does that insurance sit? Does it, you know, should that be tied back to homeowner's insurance, property insurance? Does it turn over now to the electric vehicle liability insurance? And if so, you know, is that traditionally wasn't contemplated. So there are several new considerations that we have to think about with them. Yeah, more questions than answers. So is this a standard feature on EVs? It's not a standard feature in, the, in most EVs today, but it is something that is being developed by several manufacturers and piloted by various manufacturers. Now we're seeing what seems to be a constant stream of headlines about EV fires and vehicles seeming to be combustible. Is this common? And if so, what's causing it? So I think sometimes the headlines can, 
you know, portray certain messages and, and may not always come across as, as what, you know, really is, is true and valid. Um, in terms of whether that's common, one of the things that we've recently were focusing on and, and released um, information on Averis is that the electric vehicles actually appear to catch fire less frequently, far less frequently than conventional internal combustion engine vehicles. Um, so I think what's important to highlight, you know, while they're they're catching fire less frequently, it's more how the fires um, are taking place once they do happen, where we do need to focus on. They are known to burn hotter than traditional combustion engine fires. So we do have to consider um, risks that could create, whether it's related to other cars or or buildings or homes or properties. Um, the other thing, another thing that we do have to take into consideration is that these electric vehicle fires can reignite. So this is something I, you know, I know a lot of um, not just insurers are focused on, but even states and cities, municipalities are focused on because uh, once the vehicle maybe has had a fire or you have this battery that can um, ignite, you really have to worry about where you're parking it. So you don't, you can't be parking it necessarily in your garage now um, or, you know, near your building or near your home because if there is the, the potential for reignition, you could have far greater damage um, than you did in the first place. And this is also something that's focused on even with uh, e-scooters and e-bikes. I know in New York City, which neighbors us here in Barisk, that um, there's regulations and publications being put out related to um, where these vehicles are being stored. Some buildings don't allow allow the vehicles to be stored in the building because of the potential for these battery fires to occur. Um, so it, it's definitely a focus there. The other thing, um, given that we're on coming up on hurricane season, it's really important to be aware of what we saw, I think, last year, potentially for the first time, related to flooding. Um, following Florida's Hurricane Ian, there were some instances of batteries igniting once they had gotten submerged in, in salt water. So this is something that we're, we're closely following because obviously you're dealing with a lot of um, challenges with um, hurricanes in and of itself and, and potentially your, your car being totaled or damaged, but now you also have to worry about um, certain battery risks that could, fire risks that could occur as well not that it's um occurring in all evs but when it does um regardless knowing that it does you still need to take precautions yeah and i hadn't really thought about it but i guess these are electrical fires which means they would have to be even extinguished differently they can't you be using water that's correct um yeah they definitely uh there's different risks for uh fire firemen firewomen who are putting out these fires and even how where the batteries are located they're often located more in the center of the vehicle so it can make it more difficult to get to the battery itself so turning towards the differences between gas powered and electric vehicles are you seeing any differences in the claims experience for personal auto liability and physical damage coverages 
Yeah, we this is something we've we've been looking at. Uh, we've been focused on our, our data since we do collect data for all the types of vehicles at Varus. So as we look at that, um, we have recently over the last several months been really honing in on on what the difference is, I would say, between gas powered vehicles, electric vehicles, as well as hybrid vehicles. Um, from a liability standpoint, while they do have um, a higher severity, and, and I think there's some focus there in general uh, for electric vehicles, some of that could be related, we think, towards the weight of the vehicles. They're often heavier than traditional gas-powered vehicles. So we may see some similarities to what we saw when SUVs first came to market compared to cars. Um, but on the flip side, we are seeing um, lower frequency in, in the claims experience for liability for electric vehicles. And our, our thoughts are that's likely related to the advanced driver safety features that are typically on these vehicles because they're more modern and, and built with more of these safety features. So that potentially is, is leading to a lower claims frequency. On the collision side, um, we are seeing slightly higher both frequency and severity for electric vehicles than the traditional gas-powered vehicles. Um, and some of that, you know, well, while we would expect it to be more like liability, um, we think, you know, the, the frequency being higher here could be impacted by um, in terms of the the safe, looking back at the safety features on the vehicles, while they may help prevent accidents in the repairs, they also tend to be more costly to replace. So if you have that, um, even just a small fender bender, your, your rear bumper gets bumped, you know, back years ago, it used to be you just spent, you know, $500 replacing that bumper and may not have even submitted a claim because it didn't pierce your deductible. But now with all these S1, S1 advanced driver safety features, there's likely to be increase in, in the amount of the claims. So we are seeing um, higher claims frequency and severity. I think the one other thing, you know, when it comes to comprehensive coverage, so think about theft and fire. When we looked at that, um, we actually saw in that instance that hybrids were having a higher claims frequency when it came to comp. And while we, you know, there's different theories around that, one of the, the areas there that, you know, had come to light was potentially being related to where often hear about the thefts of catalytic converters and the catalytic converters in hybrids um, have been reportedly, they have uh, more valuable precious metals within them. So they, they tend to be more targeted by thieves. So that's potentially why we're seeing a higher claims frequency there. But um, just overall, I, I think except for a collision, we we are seeing in general better insurance experience for electric vehicles. Sandy, do we have any data regarding pedestrian accidents with EVs? That's been one of my big concerns, just that I'm not going to hear one of these things coming around the corner. Um, so I, I can't speak specifically to data for the pedestrians. There has been over the years um, a focus on this because electric vehicles tend to run quieter than traditional gas-powered vehicles. So there were definitely concerns about more incidences of pedestrians being hit. But I know there was certain um, federal regulations passed that were requiring um, 
the the manufacturers building these vehicles to put in certain um, sounds and alerts. So hopefully that will um, help mitigate some of those challenges or concerns about injuries to pedestrians. Going to be interesting as we move forward, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot evolving here. Sandy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was my pleasure. It was great to speak with you, John. That was Sandy Perfetto, Senior Director, Personal Line Coverage Products for Verisk. And I'm John Weber for AM Best Audio. Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day, find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.